So good to be with you again this morning, and uh, it is just a great time to be able to celebrate together and remembering who uh, our Savior is, what he has done, and, and just what he has accomplished for us. And so we're, we're grateful uh, for the opportunity to be able to worship together. I've had a lot of questions coming my way. Some people weren't here last week or you're asking for an update because I left you hanging last week. Did get official uh, diagnosis for my, my ailments here, Achilles tendonitis in both feet, damage in my right ankle, some things there. I don't want to say it, but they said some arthritis in my ankle as well from previous damage and some things going on there. So walking boot for a little bit. I hope it's gone next week. Um, one positive, walking boot gives me about an inch and a half in my height. So <laughs> if, if you see it in summer and I'm wearing it and you're like, I think that's healed, you're going to know why. Because I love the newfound height I have. Um, with that walking boot. But thank you for praying. And a dramatic improvement from last week to this week. No crutches necessary today. And I, I hope next Sunday in preaching on Christmas Eve, I won't even have the walking boot on. I'll just be free to move about as I normally do, which I love to do. And so uh, thank you for praying there. We're gonna be in Luke chapter one this morning. Luke chapter one. And so next week, as we've been talking about for a number of weeks now, uh, we've encouraged you uh, to be praying about inviting folks to come next week. And, and we're talking about on Sunday morning the fact that the Savior has come. The Savior is born. And we're really going to emphasize that next week and uh, really truly desire to uh, present the gospel, the good news concerning Jesus Christ and why he came and what he accomplished next week and, and coupling that together with the celebration of Christmas and the birth of Christ. And so I hope that you're planning on attending and bringing someone with you. Would encourage you to be praying specifically for folks that are lost, that do not know Jesus as Savior, um, that next week they truly would make a decision to trust in him, that God would do that work next week. And we're praying on that end. But uh, this morning I wanted to look at another announcement. We're gonna look at that announcement next week, but I wanna look at another announcement. Um, and this morning the title of the message is Behold the Savior. Savior is coming. The Savior is coming. Now we know the Savior has come, but we want to revisit events that took place in Luke's gospel chapter one uh, that would have predated the birth of Christ. Um, this is an announcement that we're going to look at this morning, the announcement that Gabriel, the angel Gabriel would make to Mary about the coming of the Savior. The Savior is coming. And so join me there in Luke chapter one, verses 26 to 35. Uh, you can follow along here uh, at your seats with your copy of God's word. You're using the Pew Bible. It's page 855. And uh, we just want to look at this great announcement about the Savior coming. And so Luke chapter one, verse 26 says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the son of God. So this is a very important, significant, really course of history changing announcement that Gabriel would make 
to Mary here in this text of scripture that's before us this morning. And what I'd like to do is just make some observations here about this and look at the announcement and the explanation, the miracle that's gonna take place here and then draw some conclusions as well for us to understand as we look at this great announcement. So let's start with, first of all, the announcement itself. Verse 31 says, Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. There's a lot of things surrounding this announcement. If you look at the context here, verse 26 remind us in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to come to Nazareth to specifically come to Mary. Now in the sixth month, sometimes people are confused about what that means. But if you look at the context, immediate preceding context, as well as the immediate context following the announcement, it seems pretty clear that in the sixth month is referring to the sixth month of pregnancy that Elizabeth was in with the child that was in her womb. If you look at the preceding verse, verse 24 says, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months, she kept herself hidden saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among my people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel came to the city of Nazareth to announce to Mary. And then if you look at the immediate context following it, verse 36, behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So again, in the sixth month seems to be pointing to that's where the process was in Elizabeth's pregnancy, which is significant because you'll recall that there's going to be an interaction between Elizabeth and John the Baptist, the baby in her womb, and Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaping when she would come in contact with Mary, who was with child, being Jesus. And there seemed to be a very significant uh, part to that interaction. But this just brings some clarity as far as the timeline of events that take place in regards to Elizabeth's pregnancy, as well as Mary's announcement here by Gabriel uh, concerning this. And so the, the angel comes to Mary. And so I don't want us to miss the first part of this announcement in, in the context of it. It comes to Mary and says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So again, I think sometimes we need to pause and we need to remind ourselves that, and I've said this a number of times in some of the texts that we've looked at together as a church, these are real people at real moments in time in history that this is taking place. Mary was a real person, right? This is a real woman that the angel Gabriel is coming to who would have been living her life. Um, she was engaged to Joseph to be married to Joseph and just going about her day and living her life and um, seemingly out of nowhere in her mind, the angel Gabriel comes to her with this announcement and the angel Gabriel shows up. I don't know what exactly that looks like. Um, I don't think there's really a way that Mary could have been prepared or planned for that engagement that was going to take place. But Gabriel comes to her and says, greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. And look at Mary's response in verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. To be greatly troubled here, there's some distress and, and, and uncertainty that came here. Maybe that's an understatement, right? That she was troubled at this. Um, you know, our, our picture an understanding of what this might have looked like probably is skewed by pictures that we've seen or maybe accounts we've seen in movies. I don't know exactly what this interaction would have looked like. Clearly, Gabriel wouldn't be there for the purpose of striking fear in Mary's heart. And yet he's coming with a very significant announcement. Mary's troubled at this. She's greatly troubled at this. And she's trying to discern what sort of greeting this is. Why would the angel come to her and say, greetings, O favor, when the Lord is with you? Um, I don't know. You know, if you look at times in the past in the Old Testament that the Jewish people would have been familiar with, the times that the angel of the Lord or the word of the Lord came directly to people, oftentimes it was when judgment was coming or God was calling them to a significant task that wasn't necessarily going to be too pleasant um, to be used of him. But Mary's troubled at this and she's trying to discern 
what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. So Gabriel kind of puts her at ease here for a moment and he says, don't be afraid. This is not something that is judgment on you. This is not something to be fearful of, but instead you have found favor in the eyes of God. God has looked favorably upon you. Um, And we know why and what it is that Gabriel was about to announce to her, but Mary did not in that moment know yet. And so when we look at this announcement again, I think it's easy to remove the human aspect of this and just kind of think, oh yeah, this is what God did and it happened like that and fail to recognize again that this was a real person that God had come to with a pretty significant announcement uh, that would change the course of her life as well as the lives of all who cared for her and were involved in her family and her relationships, uh, the life of Joseph, as well as change the world really in this announcement that was going to be made. Behold, here's the announcement, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Um, In Matthew's account, uh, where the angel would come to Joseph, and we'll look at this in a minute, he clarifies saying, you'll call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And so this is the announcement that's made to Mary. You're gonna bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus. And I wanna make just a couple observations about this announcement first. Let's not lose, lose the significance of this announcement. All of history was building this very important and pivotal announcement. Um, yes, next week as we celebrate Christmas and we remember the birth of Christ, all of history would be impacted by that. Everything would be impacted by that, by the birth of Christ. But also this was setting in motion events that would significantly impact all that was going to happen and all that continues to happen in this announcement, Um, pretty significant. This was an announcement that all of history was building to. It's a pivotal announcement. Um, If you remember back all the way back to Genesis in the creation account, God created everything, saw that it was very good, including man and woman whom he created in his own image. And they were created by God and without a sin nature when they were created by God in a perfect environment and in fellowship with God. And then sin enters into the world. Man rebels and sins against God. And we're told in the New Testament scriptures that by one man, sin entered into the world and death passed to all men because all have sinned. Significant moment in history when that, in the garden, when they took of the fruit and ate of that fruit and sin entered into the world and sin then passed and death passed to all men. From that moment forward, every moment forward was building to the point where Christ, the Savior, would be born. And the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, God's people, who understood and knew the law, understood and knew the promises of God, they were looking and anticipating the coming of their Savior, of their Messiah. They had been waiting and longing, waiting and longing, waiting and longing, looking for that moment where God would send a Savior, a Messiah who would come to deliver them. And so this announcement brings all of that to a point of entering into human history, entering into this world, the word of God made flesh dwelling among us. Not yet being made flesh, but the announcement was being made that this is what is happening. This is what is coming. And I think it's so significant for us to understand that and and recognize that. Um, We're all probably familiar with waiting for something. We've all been there, whether it's waiting you know, at the grocery store in line for a checkout. If you ever, this past week, I dealt with this. We, we ordered some Christmas gifts two weeks ago. 
And uh, this past week, we still hadn't received one of them, and I was checking the status online, and three of the four items were shipped and delivered, and one of them, whenever I would check the status, kept saying, shipment being prepared, preparing for shipment. Every time I checked it, day after day, still, I'm like, what do you got to do to prepare this for shipment, right? <laughs> I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Waiting for this. And so finally, there come a, came a point in time where I got a notification that said, your shipment, has, your item has been shipped. And I was like, finally, and it finally arrived on my door. But we know what it's like to wait and to wait with anticipation. We know what it's like to be waiting, anticipating, waiting, anticipating. This would have been God's people waiting and anticipating, waiting and anticipating. And here, at this very moment in history, at this very moment, the angel Gabriel sent by God to Nazareth would make an announcement that all of history was building to that important and pivotal message that he would share with Mary here. Um, so significant. You know, it's easy for us when we look at the announcement that was made here and we think about the Christmas story and we think about all that surrounds it just to read this text and be like, oh yeah, great. Gabriel came to Mary and said this. Gabriel is about to lay out a lot of, a lot of important truths concerning Christ in this text. I don't know how many times we would look at this text in our study of Christology, the theology concerning Jesus, but what Gabriel is about to lay out concerning the Lord Jesus Christ has significant theological value in what this announcement is going to share. And so this announcement is made and all of human history was building towards this important and pivotal announcement. Secondly, this momentous announcement would now bring clarity to God's promise of salvation. For so long, like I said, the nation of Israel in particular, the Jewish people were waiting for their Messiah, waiting for their Savior. Clarity would now be brought as far as how God's plan was about to unfold before their very eyes. How it was that God was going to accomplish what he had promised so long ago to accomplish. We think back to the words of Job, if you're familiar with Job. And, and Job was one of, if not the oldest dated books of the Old Testament scriptures. And, and Job had made a statement in the midst of all of his trials and tribulations he was experiencing. I know my Redeemer lives. Uh, they were looking for a redeemer. They were looking for their savior. They were looking for their Messiah. And Job said with great confidence, I know that my redeemer lives and in the end he will reign on the earth. And though my flesh be destroyed, yet with my eyes I shall see God. There's a clear recognition there that, that there is a redeemer. Job believed that, looked forward to that. The nation of Israel believed that. They were looking for that. And here, in this momentous announcement, we would get clarity. Clarity would be given to a message and promise that for so long they were waiting on. And now, the angel Gabriel was making this announcement and bringing clarity to the message and promise of salvation that would take place. You see how significant this is? See how important this is? It cannot be overstated, the significance of this moment in history. At a real moment in history, where a real individual, Mary, was approached by a very real angel, Gabriel, at the command of God to give this announcement to her. Such an important announcement, and I praise God today for this announcement. Um, I hope you praise God today that in this moment in history, this happened. Because if this didn't happen, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. But it did. It did. And so we can rejoice and we can have hope Secondly, let's look at the explanation of this. And I, I love this. 
the explanation that's going to be given here where he, he tells her this, but she was greatly troubled, verse 29, at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. And now there's an explanation that follows. He will be great, great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. First explanation that's given here, you're going to give birth to the son of God, Mary. That's quite an announcement. And again, I, I want us to understand and consider this. This is a real individual that this is being told to here at a real moment in history. You're going to give birth to the son of God. Verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. Now, Mary was already troubled when Gabriel came and said, hey, Mary, you found favor with God. She was troubled at that. I don't know what she's thinking now. You, you're gonna give birth to a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be the son of the most high. You're going to give birth to the son of God. If that's not enough, you're gonna give birth to the king of kings, Mary. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, in verse 32. You're gonna give birth to the king of kings, to the Lord of lords. Verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. You are going to give birth to the eternal king who will rule forever and ever and ever and ever, Mary. That's the explanation that the angel Gabriel is going to give here. And again, I say that there's great significance to this because as we understand the doctrine of Christ, Christology, we understand the theology concerning Jesus, Gabriel's laying out some significant truths about Jesus here in this announcement. We can tend to look at this and be like, yeah, it's the Christmas announcement. Mary, Gabriel came and said, you're gonna give birth to a son, you'll call his name Jesus, and then you're gonna wrap him in swaddling clothes, and you're gonna lay him in a manger. There's some significant theological truths that are told about Jesus in this announcement that sometimes we breeze right past and we don't even look at. And you think about theology in the birth announcement? Absolutely. Because these statements that Gabriel is going to make about the child that Mary is going to conceive are truths that Jesus himself in his earthly ministry would reinforce in his own teaching concerning himself. When Jesus would say, before Abraham was, I am. When Jesus would say, he that has seen the father, he's seen me, has seen the father. When Jesus would proclaim openly to those that were watching and listening that he is the son of God, that he is the word of God made flesh, that he is the king of kings, that of his kingdom there will be no end, that he is the one that the prophets foretold about, that he is the great I am. Jesus would reinforce these truths, but I thought how amazing, magnificent, incredible that the angel Gabriel in his announcement to Mary, the mother of Jesus, would proclaim in that announcement at that pivotal moment of history that you're going to conceive and bear a son. And by the way, he will be the son of God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Isn't that great? Man, I love that. I get excited about that when I read this and I think, man, God, God has intertwined in, in this announcement, this birth announcement, so many significant truths concerning Jesus. And here's the amazing thing. Have, have you ever heard someone talk about 
when they're pregnant about their child and they'll be like, oh, he, he or she must be smart because whenever I read to them, they do this or, or they're gonna be super active. They might be a basketball player because they're doing this or they might be a soccer because they're kicking my stomach. All these claims that people wanna make about their babies before they're born. And Gabriel's gonna lay out some pretty significant claims about the one that was gonna be born in, in her womb. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus would fully fulfill and will continue to fulfill all of these claims perfectly. This is significant, this announcement. It's rich, this announcement, theologically. In our understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus would accomplish and what he will continue to be forever and ever and ever and ever. Quite the announcement. Quite the announcement. And quite an explanation that Gabriel's laying out for Mary here. You'll give birth to the king of kings, the one who will rule over the house of Jacob forever of his kingdom, there will be no end. And by the way, the, the, the fact of him being given the throne of his father David and ruling over the house of Jacob forever of his kingdom being no end, that's promises of God being fulfilled. Promises of God that were made in the Old Testament scriptures being fulfilled through Christ. God keeps his word. God keeps his word. And God keeps his word in his time frame, by the way. And sometimes we can get a little impatient with that. We'll talk about that more in a moment, but you'll give birth to the King of Kings. In addition to that, you'll give birth to the Savior, Mary. You'll give birth to the Savior. You'll call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. He is the Savior. In Matthew's account, gospel account, concerning the announcement of the, of the um, conceiving of Christ and, and that Mary would conceive and bear a son, in Matthew chapter one, Matthew records for us that Joseph, who Mary was engaged to when he found out that, that she was pregnant, was going to divorce her. He was gonna put her, the way the scriptures say it is put her away privately because he was a just man. And so he was gonna divorce Mary. And so if you're Joseph, you can, you can imagine what this would have been like for you. Your fiance comes to you and the one who's gonna be your wife that you have not yet participated in any kind of sexual activity with. You've not consummated that relationship yet because you're not yet uh, able to, in the eyes of God, with the marriage relationship, she comes to you and says, Joseph, I have news for you. I'm pregnant, but don't worry because it's conceived of the spirit of God. And, and this is gonna be the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the savior. Um, Joseph was just another man, a real human being. That when Joseph heard that, no doubt Joseph's response was like, yeah, I don't believe you. Because Joseph, it says, was going to divorce his, his soon-to-be wife because of what was taking place. And so how that interaction happened, don't know. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to use conjecture here and say, I bet it went like this. Don't know. What I can tell you is however that relationship and that conversation went, Joseph was not believing what Mary was telling him because he was going to divorce her and put her away. And aren't you thankful for the grace of God that, that God would come to Joseph in Matthew chapter one, you can read about that. The God would come to Joseph and the angel would tell Joseph, Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And he would go on to say this in Matthew 1, 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. That's incredible. And I believe we see in both Mary's life and in Joseph's life 
incredible faith and obedience to the word of God because in that passage in Matthew 121, it says, you shall call his name Jesus. Joseph was gonna be involved in that. And he believed the word of the Lord. He believed the word of the Lord. And so we know that Joseph did not divorce his wife, Mary, but he continued with Mary. Joseph would be present with Mary as they traveled to Bethlehem, which we'll talk about next week, that great announcement. And he would be a part of Jesus' life. How long, we don't know, but he was a part of his life. He believed the word of God. But Mary, the one you're gonna give birth to, this explanation is the son of God, the king of kings, and the savior the savior of the world, the one who will save his people from their sins. This is the long expected, long awaited Messiah. Quite the announcement. What a significant announcement. Let's look at the miracle. The miracle that's gonna take place. Now, Mary says in verse 34 to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Fair question right? Um, Mary is there and she receives all this, you know, and, and I don't know what all Mary really fully processed, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, the Savior. Um, I don't know how much she fully processed because I think she's still fixated on the reality of like, I'm a virgin and you just told me I'm going to have a baby. And so she asks the question, as I believe probably all of us Um, would expect her to ask, how will this be since I am a virgin? Well, here's the miracle. It's going to be a virgin birth. Verse 35, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Well, it's gonna be a virgin birth, Mary. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God is going to do something that only God could do. God is going to do something that only God would be capable of doing. A virgin birth. Matthew 1.20, in that announcement that Joseph, Joseph is told and clarified by the angel, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This will be the work of God, to the spirit of God, this conception is going to take place. This is not the working or doing of man. This is the working and doing of God. The miraculous was going to take place here. And this is very significant. It's extremely significant for a lot of reasons. Extremely significant to understand that this virgin birth was going to take place. One, it's a fulfillment of prophecy that the virgin will conceive and will bear a son. It's a fulfillment of prophecy as the prophets foretold would take place and God will fulfill that exactly as he said he would. But it's also significant because this is going to also be a fully holy birth. A fully holy birth, which is extremely important because we're gonna make some points at the end here that's gonna signify the significance of this. But it's gonna be a fully holy birth. Verse 35 says, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. That is, Ability to call the child holy, the son of God, is based upon the conception by the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because the word of God makes something abundantly clear that we are conceived in sin. Again, the word of God tells us that by one man's disobedience, we are made sinners. By one man, death passed to all men. 
So the word of God tells us we are conceived in sin. From the very moment of our conception, we are conceived in sin. We have a sin nature that is inherited in our part, that's been passed on, that we need a savior, that we need redemption, we need forgiveness, we need a Messiah. But when God intervened here in Mary, when God intervened through the Holy Spirit of God, and that which was conceived in her was not of man, but of God, therefore, that which was conceived in her could be called holy, the son of God. This would be a fully holy birth. And this is so significant. Again, Matthew reiterated this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Matthew quoting the Old Testament prophet that would proclaim this and would would prophesy about this. This is so significant because every single individual in this room and every single individual that ever existed apart from Christ had the, the reality of a need for a savior. Every one of us. Adam and Eve being the only two individuals created by God without a sin nature that chose to sin and therefore were in need of a savior. And again, because of their act of disobedience, sin passed to all men and all of sin and all fall short of the glory of God, but not Christ who is fully holy. And that's what the angel proclaimed here. That which is conceived in you will be called the son of God. That child will be called holy because that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. So significant, it's miraculous, a fully holy birth. And we have to understand that is the only way, the only way that there could be an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. That's the only way that any man could fully satisfy the wrath of Almighty God who is holy. It's the only way that God could have a spotless, without blemish sacrifice for our sins is if he intervened. If he did the miraculous, and that's what we see in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to make it a point that I, I said in the first service, this is important to understand. Every individual need, needs a savior. Every individual was in need of a savior and forgiveness, including Mary. And I think that's important for us to understand. God did not choose Mary because Mary was without sin. On the contrary, Mary herself would say that she rejoices in God, her savior. She needed a savior. Mary was not without sin. And I think sometimes we can get, get this confused. And there's a lot of religious practice and belief and a lot of religious honor that's given to Mary. And I wanna share something. Mary and Joseph both acted in faith to the word of God. They believed the word of God and there's commendation for that. They should be commended for that. They should be looked at and seen as an example for us to follow in their response to the word of God. But understand, Mary is not a mediator for you and I with God. Mary is not our savior. Christ is our savior. Christ is our mediator. Jesus Christ is the only one. Mary needed saved from her sin, just as you and I do. And so Mary, yes, was used of God, but the miraculous was not the presence of Mary. The miraculous was the presence of the spirit of God in the conception that took place. That is why that which was conceived in her could be called holy and could be called the son of God. That's where the miraculous takes place. A virgin birth, a fully holy birth. And that was absolutely necessary for our redemption. What a great announcement, isn't it? What a great announcement and what great truth that Gabriel was proclaiming in this very small portion of God's word that I believe so often at Christmas we can completely overlook 
and completely miss the claims that would be made concerning Jesus in these verses. And how thankful should we be to God that Jesus would not only fully, during his earthly ministry, fulfill and model all of these claims, but he continues to and will for eternity model these claims. So significant and so important. So let me just draw some conclusions here when we think about the fact that the Savior is coming. We know he's come, but in this passage, he was still yet to come. He was coming. So let me make some points here as far as consideration as we move forward. First of all, understand the Savior is coming, and he is coming precisely as God had planned. In the birth of Christ, all that would take place in the birth of Christ, it would be precisely as God had planned. We've talked about the probability of prophecy taking place. Significant numbers are involved when you think about the probability of even one prophecy taking place concerning that which the prophets foretold, concerning Jesus, over 300 prophecies that would be fulfilled in, in regards to his coming. Just as God had planned. The Savior is coming precisely as God had planned. When Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem, that wasn't by accident, that was on purpose. Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin, not on accident, on purpose. Jesus Christ taking the throne of his father David, reigning, ruling over the house of Jacob for all of eternity, precisely as God had planned. I love the statement that's gonna be made about Jesus when he would be born. It says, in the fullness of time, the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, precisely as God had planned. And can I encourage you with something today? Jesus Christ will return precisely as God has planned. He is building his church precisely as he has planned. He is saving the lost precisely as he has planned. And we can take great confidence in that reality. But we see the precision of God every step of the way, not only in the announcement, but the build up to the announcement, the announcement itself, and then all the events that would take place following it precisely as God had planned. Secondly, the Savior is coming exclusively through his power and his authority. It's through the power of God, the miraculous power of God that these things can take place. There is no other explanation than but God. But God chose to do these things exactly again as he had planned, exclusively through his power and his authority. And can I remind us today, the salvation of souls is exclusively through the power of God. Your salvation, my salvation, it's through the power of God, through the grace of God. It is God that makes the dead alive. It is God that opens the eyes of the blind. It is God that takes those that have a heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh. It is God who takes the one that is far lost from him and walking in darkness and brings him upon into his, into his family, adopted into his family and lets them walk in light exclusively through the power and authority of God that these things can take place. And that's how it would come with Christ. And then thirdly, the Savior is coming righteously qualified for our redemption. Righteously qualified for our redemption. Are you thankful for that this morning? In every part of the announcement that we've looked at, there is an exclusivity of Christ in that announcement. When Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, he meant it. He is the plan that God had for our redemption. He's it. He's the only acceptable sacrifice. He's the only one. And we've mentioned the passage of scripture that says, by one man sin passed to all men and death passed to all men. 
That same passage says, by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, the righteous, will many be made righteous. It's only through Christ, the righteous one. He is righteously qualified for our redemption. And maybe better stated, he alone is righteously qualified for our redemption. All of that builds to what we're gonna talk about next week on Christmas Eve and in the other announcement that's going to take place. Next week, we're gonna look at the announcement of the angels to the shepherds that were in their fields, just minding their own business. And their world was about to be transformed as the angels would come to the shepherds with glad tidings of great joy for all people. Because today in the city of David, a savior is born. We'll talk about that next week. But that third point, righteously qualified for our redemption should move us and stir us. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only qualified sacrifice for our sins. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that message is that that righteous, perfect, holy sacrifice, the son of God, the king of kings, that he is the savior, that he would live a perfect, holy life. He would fully meet the demands of a righteous and holy God, that he would offer his life as a sacrifice for our sins, that he would come to seek and to save that which was lost. He would be crucified buried and rise again the third day in great victory, showing he is who he said he is, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the message we have to share with a lost and dying world. Behold, the Savior is coming and we remember next week, behold, the Savior is born. I hope you'll come and I hope you'll bring someone with you. As we think about all of these things, we're gonna close our service this morning by singing He is worthy of it all. And I love this song because it it proclaims what really should be our heartbeat as believers in Christ, proclamation of glory to our great God and Savior, Jesus saying, you are worthy of it all. Jesus, you're worthy of all glory, of all honor, and of all praise. We read in the scriptures that day and night, night and day in the throne room of God, he is receiving praise, he's receiving glory, that he is holy, holy, holy. That day and night, night and day, that is rising in God's presence, praises and glory are given to him. This morning we have an opportunity as we close our service to express to our God, you are worthy of it all. Truly he is. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this announcement and all the truths that are contained in this announcement about our savior. Lord, I pray that it would stir us as your children that we would be quick to make much of the name of Jesus, our Savior. Truly, we believe he is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Savior. He's God. He's worthy of it all. We give you all glory, Lord. We thank you. Our words just cannot express or do justice to the glory that is due to your name. But as best we know how, we worship you and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.